A quick warning. This episode contains discussions about suicide, which some listeners may find triggering. Please take care of yourself, and if you need someone to talk to, the Samaritans are always there to listen. Call 116-123 to talk about it. All right, I'm Dan, and I'm listening to the... No, I'm not. (laughs) You're listening. You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Today, I'm talking to David Gathard. You kind of feel guilty saying, I really enjoy it, because essentially you're listening to people at the hardest point in their life. We talk about David's work with the Samaritans. The phone never stops. Oh my God. And the struggles that come with that. And Samaritans, our policy is self-determination, so we can't tell you not to do it. And some of the obstacles that he faces on the phones. Prank callers and all that. No, you'd be surprised the amount of men hearing up having a wank down the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. It's insane. And what made David start volunteering for the Samaritans in the first place? One time I was a service user, I called Samaritans. The only thing I felt like I could control was ending my own life. We talk about wanting to do everything. I feel like a creative who has no talent. <laughs> <laughs> like a painter who's got no brush. And we talk about feeling bad for complaining about things. I shouldn't complain about this because X, Y, Z. Because someone's got it worse than me. And we finally settle the age-old debate. What I do want to ask you about... Don't we- say it is Apple a Watch brand because we'll have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put this out on the podcast, right? You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Here's Dave. David Gathard. This right. is really proper. When I do my podcast, it's just sat in front of a laptop, and now I feel like I'm on an actual podcast. <laughs> You've got a good podcast. It's very niche. It's really niche. Right, so, David, welcome to the podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, I'm David. Um, yeah. Who are you? What, what, what do you do? I'm your brother-in-law. <laughs> and, this, and this has got really weird yeah. now. <laughs> the, the, the podcast has got a bit incestuous now. We're just bringing family members yeah. on. Yeah. Um, what do I do? I'm, well, it doesn't really matter what my job is, but I'm a Samaritan's listening volunteer. Yeah, and that's that's what interested me in getting, in getting you on. So what do you do for the Samaritans? So I basically, I do night shift. Uh, I answer the phones for whoever calls us. And yeah. Just talk to people about whatever they're going through really yeah. it's just emotional support for anything that people are going through yeah and th- this would be a weird question but do you enjoy it i do it's, do it's really odd because people ask me that and, I, and if you kind of feel guilty saying like i really enjoy it because yeah. essentially you're listening to people at the hardest point in their life yeah but while you're really- in your house with a cup of tea you know. No, not in the house. You have to go to a Oh, you do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not got my feet up and do it. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I, I, pause Netflix. Someone's ringing the phone line. <laughs> I, well, I didn't know because you said night shift. I assumed it was all, it just, the calls got rerouted to your phone. No, no, no. So it, I do the night shift because A, it works for me having a nine to five. Yeah. So I do the night shift. I even do 10.30. I'm doing one tonight, actually. Okay. 10.30 till 2 a.m. Or I do yeah. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And it's because at night 70% of our calls go unanswered because there is so many that come in wow so they are really looking for volunteers yeah. it's yeah it's crazy the amount of calls it the phone never stops oh my god because you think when you see those signs on bridges and stuff you see like mm. call the samaritans whatever number you think oh they must get a yeah, fair few calls a week yeah i mean like on average on a shift i'll probably take eight calls oh wow eight, nine calls depends i mean like some people i'll talk to for 20 minutes some people i've spoken to for almost two hours yeah. Depends what they need at that time. Yeah. But people see like the signs on like bridges and at train stations and things like this and assume that you have to be suicidal. Yes. To, to call something. That's but the first thing you think of. Yeah. You think yeah. that it's just suicide prevention. Yeah. Which obviously is really important, mm. but you don't have to be. It's just emotional support at any time for whatever you're going through. 
Yeah. Some people call up and say, I can't, I can't tell you about callers and what yeah, we spoke yeah. to is all confidential and everything. Everything. If, if people are thinking about calling Samaritans, who's listening to this, it is important to know that everything that you talk to that person about on the phone remains confidential yeah. within, within the Samaritans. Yeah. It will never go any further than that. We don't know your phone number. We don't know where you are. We don't know anything about you. And the only name you know is whatever they give. Whatever the, they the, give you, yeah. So you yeah, don't know if that's that, a real name, you know. It's, yeah, so people could ring you up and say like, oh, um, I lost my cat. Hmm. But for them, it's, you know, it's just, everyone's biggest problem is the same size. Yeah. I remember you saying that to me when I moved in here. Yeah, Cause, exactly. Because I felt bad complaining about it when at the same time my mum was going through the death of her mum. Yeah. I just felt like, okay, I can't really let out about this because it's not a big enough problem mm. compared to what my mum's going through. So yeah. I, I felt like I was just kind of inside like just inside my shell like yeah, a yeah. lot and then you said to me like that everyone's biggest problem is the same size yeah and that's a lovely way of thinking about it. i mean that's a weird way of saying that but that is a nice way of thinking about that yeah and i think it helps like for people to come to terms with that because you'll be surprised that everyone always wants to diminish their own problems mm. and everyone wants to say oh but you know i shouldn't complain about this because xyz yeah because someone's got it worse than me yeah and you find out even people i speak to on smash they'll bring up and they're going through a really shit time and they always go, but I shouldn't be wasting your time. There's probably other people you should yeah. be helping. And you have to say to them, no, no, you're exactly the person I want to be speaking to right now. Because, you know, this is big. Like, if you take it like someone who's, at the moment, all the interest rates are going up. Mm-hmm. Everyone's mortgage is becoming basically un- unaffordable for thousands of people. Mm. So if someone rings me up who's 45 and says, my mortgage has just gone up 100%. Mm. And I don't know how I'm going to afford to do that. That's a big problem. Yeah. But equally, if a 13-year-old rings me up and says, I'm getting bullied at school, it's the same size problem because that's their world. Yeah. And, you know, problems are, they're kind of like in proportion to your existence. So where people go, yeah. oh, you know, my, oh, I shouldn't complain, I shouldn't grumble. It's like, well, no, you feel, you, it's absolutely valid to complain mm. about things that are affecting you. And obviously, like, if you can talk to friends and family and you have a support network around you, then that's great. Yeah. But for people who don't have anyone or things like, you know, it's in the middle of the night and there's no one to talk to, yeah. then Samaritans is always there to talk to. You will probably have to wait a bit in the queue to talk to someone, but someone will always pick up the phone. If you need to talk, call the Samaritans, 116-123. Do you ever have those phone calls that phone in and then before you manage to answer them, they, they've hung up and you sort of think, oh, I wonder... Uh, well, you don't see that because, mm. like, you just set the phone to available and it rings and okay. then it's whoever's coming through them but the sad thing is you get yeah you get that you get people who will go oh i, I called earlier and no one answered and you're yeah. like okay i'm sorry about that so it's horrible when you're talking to someone and the phone line cuts out if they're on a mobile or something like that yeah. it's really bad you get a lot of people ring up because you can't call them back because you you don't know the number, number. Yeah. think about it yeah or you get people who call and then as soon as you answer the phone they become so nervous that they can't speak. Yeah. So have you got and, to coax it out of them a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, like you'll give them a few minutes and like try and empathize. And say, I know it's really difficult right, to like talk sometimes, but I'm here waiting, you know, and whenever you yeah. feel ready to talk. But at the end of the day, like I can't sit there for half an hour waiting for you to speak because yeah. there's other people waiting. Yeah. It's cool. So then you have to say like, well, you know, I really want to help you and talk to you, but hopefully if you call back, you'll, Find, yeah. find you go voice, away you write know. down what you want to talk about and then come back exactly and, yeah. but then it's like it's a really funny one because then you have to balance that with is it someone calling you who's in a place that's not safe to speak 
is it someone who's in a domestic yeah. violence relationship? Yeah. Who's then ringing you and saying, and they can't speak because the other person's in the room. Yeah. So then it's, it's a really fine line to toe. And then we get misuses as well, which isn't great. Just prank callers and all no, that. No, you'd be surprised the amount of men hearing up having a wank down the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. It's insane. Wow. Like, I don't get a lot of it because I'm a man. As soon as, they, and as soon as they hear my voice, they put the phone down and they dial back. Okay. But the female volunteers get it all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't oh know if I should God. say the word wank, but I listened to your last episode and you swore like every other word. So I was just like, it must be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Like, I had, a, 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 yeah, someone's rang up and went, um, ah, um, I wonder if you could help me. And I, I don't mind talking about this. I'm not going to tell you like the stuff that matters. This was a clear misuse, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, of course." He goes, um, "I was. This was a Sunday morning at like eight a.m." And he goes, "Um, I'm just wondering if you talked to me whilst I had a wank." And I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, god, mate! It's eight a.m. Go have a slice of toast like a normal person. <laughs> calm down. Like, I don't know what. Oh my god! So do you get training for all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, the training's really extensive. Is it? Yeah, it's it's har- some of the training's really hard as well. Some people have like got to parts of the training and gone, I can't do this. It's, it's too. Could you think? Oh, it's just answering the phone and saying, "Oh, it'll be all right." You know. This- yeah, it is. But then equally, like you know, you could answer the phone to a suicide in progress, mm. and that's really deep. To but literally, like literally on in the, progress. On the bridge, yeah. And Samaritans, our policy is um, self determination, so we can't tell you not to do it. Oh, they've got to realise themselves. Well, you don't know. So the whole point of Samaritans is we'll talk to you and we'll have a conversation. We'll listen to you and give you, it's, it's active listening. Yeah. And we'll give you the space to, you know, let all your feelings out, talk yeah. about it, and then come to your own realisations about things. Okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone has autonomy. Yeah. So if that's what someone is set on doing, we're not there to stop you. We're just there to be a voice to talk to you when you need us. And if that moment you need us is right at the very end, that's when we're there. Wow, that's a hard thing to get you. It's really hard. It's really hard because sometimes, you know, like you talk to people and you'd want to... And also we can't give advice either. So it's really difficult because sometimes people are so fogged up with their emotions that you just, you're in your head, you're screaming, just do this one thing and literally everything would be solved. Like, yeah. go to your doctor, speak to your doctor about this, something like that. But you can't say that to them. You have to just give them the room to come to that realisation on their own. Is that, be- is that a legal thing? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously think- part of it's because, you know, you can't be held liable. I mean, yeah. like, things like, you, we can't say things like, um, if someone is suicidal, I'm here to help you. Because then the legal standpoint is you could be assisting in their suicide, which is massively illegal in the UK. Yeah. So... It's a, it's a really funny one. It's a, you have to kind of wow. tread a very fuzzy grey line. And it becomes easier with time as yeah. you do it, that you realise how to do this stuff. But then sometimes you'll have a call and at the end, it's like you'll start the call and someone could be in tears and they'll be like hysterical. Yeah. And a really good call will progress through all their feelings and what they're thinking about. And by the end, they'll be talking like me and you now, maybe laughing even, yeah. and they'll be in a, a much better mood. That's a great feeling to know you've helped someone like that. And yeah. Especially with some, some people turn around sometimes and they'll say, I'm so glad I spoke to you. I'm so glad I, I, I chose to pick up the phone and call. Oh, wow. Because, and thank you so much. And, you know, it's what we're there for. You know, it's a volunteer job. You know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. But you do leave your shift just thinking, I've really helped someone tonight. Yeah. And that's a great, a great feeling. And on the other end of that, is there some dark times where you leave your shift thinking, I really could have done It's more? difficult. I had, I've had... 
I've only ever had one call that really stuck with me, and I obviously can't tell you about it, but I had one that stuck with me for a few days. And I was yeah. just like, oh, mate, it was really deep. And again, but again, that was a really good call where it went yeah. from someone being really upset to, but the way it ended with their self determination, yeah, it stuck with me. And I was just like, um, oh, okay, yeah, like, Chet, that's really rough. But at the same time, you never know what happens when the phone gets put down. So yeah. you can't, you have to accept the reality that's presented to you. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, I finish a shift at 2 a.m., I'll be home by, 20 past two and i'll probably be asleep by 25 to three yeah and some of the ones here's gone to me have you not got a conscience i'm like i do but i'm also really good at sleeping (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. and also it's 2 (laughs) a.m yeah Um, and it it must be draining as well it's like when you're younger and like your parents would do long drives and at the end of the drive they'd be tired and you mm. think why are you tired all you've been doing is sitting down for yeah because you hours. can't comprehend it yeah yeah you just you just think and all you're doing is sitting on the phone so why is that tiring but it must be mentally draining mm. it um, is it can be especially if you have like really long calls hmm. it can it can be pretty draining how long do calls last for are they literally anything from anything. 10 seconds to yeah yeah, yeah. An like hour? it could it could be like 30 seconds wow um or it could be I think I, th- I think there's a couple of people who have like with really really like harrowing cases have been on the phone for like their whole shift, yeah, for like four hours on one call. Wow. Generally, if it lasts that long, it's generally because like we've had to contact the emergency services on their behalf, and oh, okay. then we're waiting for them to arrive and things like that. Yeah. Um, if you think something's going to happen, will you secretly call? No. Most services, they know everything you're doing, yeah? You have to ask. Because we will say to them, look, the best way for you to get help right now is to call them yourself. Yeah. Put the phone down to me, call them, and then if you can, call us back and we'll talk to you. But that's mm. the best way, because you've got all your information. We know nothing about you. But if you feel like you can't do that, I need to know your name, I need to know your location, and I need to know all these details. And we'll have to get a lot of details off of them. And then we'll get the other volunteer, because you're never on your own. There'll always be another volunteer taking calls yeah okay, and that's okay. difficult for them because they're if they're on a call as well yeah then you have to go look, look i need your help like to call someone and then we'll go through the processes that are in place for us for calling the emergency services yeah. i've only had to do that once and again it might have been that they turned up paramedics and were just like oh like this is not a case for us but i have to accept the reality that i'm presented with yeah and you know the guy was not in a good place yeah. not doing well and you know wanted some help and he said he couldn't do it himself for whatever reason. Yes, and I guess some people, they do want the help, but they don't want to be the person to actually call the ambulance or yeah. they don't want to be the person to physically do it. Yeah. So that's why the Samaritans is great because you can, you are... Yeah, yeah, for You sure. are actually legally allowed to call... Okay, we'll get an ambulance down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music for advert-free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. Are you yourself an anxious person? I've had really bad anxiety before. It's part of the reason why I became a Samaritan. Oh, is it? Well, at one, one, one time I was a service user, I called Samaritans. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I mean... Wanking again, were you? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I phoned myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, I won't put a time frame on it. No. Um, but, and only a few people know about it. It's obviously your sister, my wife knows yeah. and things like that. But I had a really bad 
um, period of anxiety, uh, probably probably more recently than you would think, knowing okay. me, like you know me, yeah, where I was as low as it can get. Okay. Like I was thinking about, I had a lot of intrusive thoughts. Okay. And it was kind of like the anxiety was so bad that I had like an entire ego death and like self-esteem out the window, the whole yeah. thing. I just felt like nothing. I felt worthless and I couldn't shift it. And the only people I could speak to, I felt like, were the Samaritans. So I called them and they were incredibly helpful. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and the anxiety like that is, going back to your point about anxiety, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time always saying, like, throughout my earlier years, like, I'm such a stable person. I was like, you'll never see me in a bad mood. I'm always in a Yeah, that's how I, that's how I, that's probably how you see me now. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, I'm not saying I had a bad childhood because I didn't. I had a good mm. childhood, but there was a lot of things like my mum had cancer mm. like a few times and stuff and we weren't very well off. We were quite poor growing up. And because and you're an only child as well, there's no one... There's, yeah, there's, there's no, no one, one to confide you, in apart yeah. from your parents because I'm an only child. So the house got quite volatile at times with like arguments and fights. Mm-hmm. No, n- never physical or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's never happened. But like, So there's a lot of that going on. And then being your only child, you kind of become the mediator, Yeah, which isn't great when you're a child yeah so i kind of absorbed all that but then because you're a child you're trying to keep everyone else happy so you kind of just internalize it don't put it back out into the world and then you carry on and then i wasn't the most popular kid at schools bullied and stuff and you know not to be arrogant but like i was always considered a gifted child Mm -hmm. and then there's that extra weight of that that comes on because if you don't do well at something people are like well what the fuck yeah you're a gifted child you should be excelling at everything yeah they don't you're quite an intelligent man, I've found as well. You, well, Thank either you. that, or, or you just know a lot of really random I facts. Mean, many leather-bound books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the office, I do not have smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that and then that as well, and then like um, I was in before I met your sister. I was in a relationship for seven years. That I was basically the support network for this partner who had mental health illnesses, drug dependencies, right? self-harmed. And again, people always say to me, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Because yeah. you just you don't want to let it out there because you think if you let it out, then you become weak and you can't then look after yes. the other person. Yeah. And I think all this built up and one day the dam's going to give. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's going to go. Mm. And it did. And it probably went at the worst possible time where yeah. I was alone and there was no one else around me. Like I was on my own. Okay. And it just became too much. And the anxiety was so crushing. And I'm... Did, not, you, know, did you know that was going to happen that no. day? It just... It just came. Yeah, it was just, okay. And it was literally just like someone walked up to me with a sledgehammer, just smashed me with it. Wow. That's quite a scary thought because... Yeah. Elliot said the same thing when he had his breakdown. He was literally at work. He was about to like go and tattoo someone. Yeah. I said he just flipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, he said, did, you, did you feel the, it? Yeah, smashed the studio smashed, up. Yeah, smashed the studio yeah. up. And... I said, you know, did you feel that coming? He said, no, it just literally comes on. Yeah. And that is quite a scary thought. It is really scary. And the scariest thing was I've never had intrusive thoughts before. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not a control freak. But you know when you're anxious and you feel like everything's out of control? Yeah. And nothing, you can't do anything to stop everything that's going on. The only thing I felt like I could control was ending my own life. Right. Because it was my decision. So that was all I thought about. From the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, and this happened, this lasted like ten days. Wow! All that I thought long. about was how I was going to do it, what I would do, 
Yeah. And I had it all planned. I planned it all out. Really? Yeah. And the wild thing is, it's like, so I knew how I was going to do it because, and it's really strange when you like, you, when you think about like taking your own life like that, it's like, cause you think about all the ways you could do it. And then weirdly you become really picky. You go, oh no, I'm going to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it this way. So the way I looked at doing it required to buy some sort of equipment. Cause it was like the most peaceful way to do it. And even then I was like looking at like the stuff I would need and fucking, and it only occurred to me the other day because I was thinking about coming on this podcast and thinking back to that period yeah. of my life. That I was looking at stuff and going, I'm not paying that much for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, like it fucking matters. Like, like I'm going to be dead if someone's going to go, oh, he's in his overdraft again. Because <laughs> that, that, that's strange because a fact I heard is when men think about suicide, most men, it takes them six minutes by the time they thought about it to doing it. Yeah, six minutes is the is a thing. I yeah. bet the Samaritans you probably know a bit more about it than me, but I heard that fact a few years ago, so it's probably it's probably changed yeah. now. But for you, it was ten days. The only thing that stopped me pop yeah what stopped me from doing it is that I didn't really have access to the stuff that I felt I needed to do it the way mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. And the other thing was, it was like I couldn't not see Vicky one last time. Okay. Before it happened. And yeah. I couldn't not see my parents. And then, then it was the pain I would cause other people. Yeah. I just felt like, do you know what? Fuck it. I can't do it because it's just going to, it would break people. But yeah, but I became, I, I called Samaritans because I'd, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, just fucking a mess. And because if you ever had it when like, I always say, I know it's time to move jobs where I wake up in the morning and the first thing I think about is the job. Okay, yeah. If I wake yeah. up and go, oh my God, I've got to do this thing, I've got to do that. Yeah. No, it's taken over too much of my life. And I know that that's time, that means things need to change because it's just too much. That's good. This was like that. I'd wake up and the first thing I'd think about was how I felt and the anxiety would just yeah. hit me as soon as I opened my eyes. Yeah. So, and then so I, I'd, I'd ring Samaritans like 2 a.m. and be like, I don't have anyone to talk to. I need to talk to someone. And I rang them probably about four or five times in that 10 days. Wow. And they call me back as well, which is good. Oh, really? Because we do do callbacks where if we think, you know, you're really in need, we'll say, look, give me your phone number. We'll call you back in a day or two, whenever's convenient for you, and just check in and see if you're right. Just so they know that someone cares. Oh, great. And they did that to me. But when they did that, I was coming out of it. And it must have sounded really weird because I'd spoken about two days previously and I was like down here on the floor. And then when they rang me, I was actually in a bar with some guys that I worked with because one of them was leaving, one yeah. of them was leaving, and I was just like, "Yeah, I actually feel all right." And they were like, "Oh, we're really good to you." And I thought, and I put it, down, I was like, "I must be my fucking mug." Yeah. But at the same time, now that I've done that myself, call people back and stuff, you do realise that mental health isn't always a long arc. It can be rapid peaks and troughs. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can literally, from one hour to the next, your mood can change. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't actually think about becoming a, a volunteer at Samaritans until Vicky did it. Vicky said to me, "Oh." I've signed up to become a Samaritans volunteer. And I said, do you know what? I want to do that as well. And yeah. it just took me back thinking, they helped me so much. And I assume Vicky knew about all this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if not, <laughs> yeah. all right, Vicky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, she knows, she knows. <laughs> we did, we started at the same time. Oh, did you? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a waiting time there's to get on to being uh, like a in the intake. Yeah. For, um, so we're not doing it at the same time. Did you have a challenge of who could take the most calls? 
<laughs> well, Vicky takes loads because it's always, she's a woman, so people, this is blokes ringing up, heavy breathing down yeah, the phone. Like, and she's like, I've done 25 tonight. And, like, <laughs> and 20 of them were you, David. Yeah. <laughs> just at the other end of the room. Yeah. If you need to talk, call the Samaritans, 116-123. What I like about learning about people doing this podcast is the support network of their family and friends. Mm. But sometimes for people, that isn't enough. And you do no. need... You do. You do need a stranger to talk to. You need someone to. removed from the situation yeah. that you feel you can talk to without judgment about mm. anything. It definitely helps. Because it's weird, because if you know it's someone you're never going to see as well. Yeah. You're never going to bump into them. It's almost like they're not a real person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you just let it all out. You open the box, everything falls out, and you do feel better for it. Everything comes off your chest, and then you do. And it's not a way to think about it. Like, if you do want to call us at Samaritans, you can talk, let everything out vomit it all up out of your brain and don't worry about what that person under a phone's feeling like don't feel bad from having to listen to it mm. because that's what we're there for you know yeah we signed up for it yeah they, and we're trained for it as you well you want to be there then you know you're yeah. and you're trained to do it yeah yeah and it's helped me with my main mental health massively as Has well it? yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean i put myself into cbt for a while as well um, what's the cbt cognitive behavioral therapy okay yeah to deal with my anxiety which was and that's a really weird one because you go and do cbt and they're telling you like these tools to use to deal with your anxiety. And the, the basis of that is, is that you can never get rid of your anxiety because anxiety is basically, it's your fight or flight mechanism prehistorically that we don't really need anymore because now our problems aren't, oh my God, there's a tiger behind that yeah. rock that's about to eat me. It's, oh shit, I need two tires on the car and I'm not getting paid till next week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's totally different. So your brain is, there's the thing where your brain just goes, Oh, um, there's a disconnect here. So um, I don't know how to react proportionally yeah. to this. And you get this massive wave of anxiety. Yeah. So the baseline idea of it is, is that you can't get rid of your anxiety, but you can change your relationship with your anxiety and how you deal with it. Yes. And it's this thing with CBT. They say these things and they give you all these tools and it all seems so fucking obvious. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not until someone else sits down and goes, Oi, dickhead, yeah. listen, this is how you deal with your anxiety. Do these things. And you go... And you think to yourself, like, I fucking paid money for this. I could have told myself that. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. does it, but it doesn't, doesn't actually click until you sit with someone and you get it all off your chest at the same time. And they're telling, and you know, you talk about everything that's been affecting you in your past and yeah. all these things. And then they give you these tools. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is actually really and when, when you say they give you these tools, what, I mean, it's not a fucking hammer. Like, no, what? it's not. <laughs> um, so like one of them is called unhooking. Okay. Which is basically, if you feel anxious, unhook from whatever's making you feel anxious and try and divert your attention into something else. Yeah. Which sounds obvious. Yeah, keep yourself busy. Basically, do, yeah. yeah. Or focus on something else. So it sounds really obvious. Um, there's a really good video on YouTube that my therapist showed me called The Unwanted Party Guest, mm -hmm. which is uses like the frame framing of a party where a guy turns up who's an absolute dick and like ruins it for everyone. And every time they kick him out, he turns up again. And it's not until they accept the fact that he's there and he's a bit of a dick that you learn how to deal with that person. Okay, yeah. And it's, again, seems really obvious, but I think it is worth, if you do have anxiety and you can look at it from that sort of like angle, it's a great video to watch. Yeah. I'll put the link actually in the, in the description. I need to get rid of this chewing gum. I'm just yeah, no, I've, still, I've still got chewing gum <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> I've been chewing gum like constantly because I'm on this keto diet and... It gives you what they call keto breath, where you're just breathing out acetone. Why are you doing it? Because I'm fat, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, we've got, we've got a baby coming in December, and I don't want to be that parent who 
can't run around after their kids. Yeah, you've got a baby coming. Yeah, so I, I was just like, no, that's it, enough's enough. How are you feeling about being the dad? I'm really excited. I'm oh, really yeah. excited, yeah. That was a weird thing as well, though, for mental health, because like, I'd wanted kids. I wanted kids. And I found myself, but for years, I was like, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yeah. Like, I had other things I wanted to do. And then in recent years, only really once I got with your sister, yeah. like, that I started thinking, like, having like these like fantasies and daydreams about like having a kid and what I'd do with him, yeah. like walking and holding my kid's hand and things like that. So I was like, yeah, we want kids. And then when we found out, which we found out in the most ridiculous way. So I went to Paris to run a marathon at the beginning of April. Yeah. And everyone's like, a fat man running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I say run. Like, yeah. And the whole weekend we were like, are we pregnant? I'm not entirely sure. Like we, we couldn't quite figure it out. And we like getting the calendar out and working out dates. And we were like, don't know. And Vicky's like, oh, should I do a test? I was like, don't do it. I was like, because if it's not, we'll be really sad. Yeah. And then that'll ruin the weekend. Yeah. So then we just went fucking balls to the wall weekend in France. Wine, <laughs> steaks, like cured meat, all the stuff. Ketamine. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rails of cocaine. Um, like unpasteurized, all the stuff that doctors go, you should not yeah. have this. You're a pregnant woman at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. And then we got back off the Eurostar, went straight into the boots at King's Cross, got a pregnancy. As soon as we got home, straight into the bathroom. And I was being a proper bloke about it, had the instructions. And I was like, oh, it says, <laughs> <laughs> it says here, it takes three minutes to come up with a result. She put the kettle on. And as I put it, I was like, oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> it just came up like immediately. Oh, did it? That's what being in France does to you, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's just potent. And, uh, but I was like, I was, obviously, I was really happy to have a child yeah. to be pregnant. But you see on TV and stuff, like people find they're pregnant and they scream, they jump up and yeah. down and do these things. And a couple of days later, I felt really guilty. And I was like, why didn't I react like that? Yeah. And I was like, am I like not as into this as I think I am? And I had like another crisis of confidence. And that's give me a head a shake and go, that's television, Dave. Yes. Like, don't compare yourself to fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literal fiction. Yeah. But that was a bit of like a couple of days where I was just like, oh. Maybe maybe I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm not as into this. But the, the thing is, as well, with I work for a hypnotherapy woman, and um, you know way more about giving birth to kids than I would have thought. For a musician, you're like, oh yeah, did you know that like uh, the fetus can feel this? That, like, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, mate. Anything I don't know about being um, you should have a column pregnant. in Hello or something like that. About, like, <laughs> Agony oh, uncle Dan Parkinson. What? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm Dan. What do you want to know today? Uh, yeah, she she says that um, a lot of people get put off a pregnancy because of when people give birth in films. It's like blah, blah, blood everywhere. Tell you <laughs> what, mate. We started watching One Born Every Minute on Netflix. Oh, right, the other yeah. day. There's some people who are really like that, <laughs> and there's some dads who are absolute assholes. We were watching oh, one yeah. last night, and this bloke's like making fun of his wife who's in labour, <laughs> right? Like. She's asking for gas and air because she's in like serious pain because, you know, she's pushing a baby yeah. out of her vagina, yeah. which is not an easy feat by any measure. And he's going, oh, I want to do all natural, you said. Like, and also there's sons in the room. So you're like, what are you people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW, which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans account. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. 
You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the show. Remember you saying before about when you get into a hobby, you seem to have a lot of hobbies yeah. because you just seem to like quit them or get bored of them or... I, I start, I kind of think I have ADHD, mm. but I know I don't. Okay. Someone put a quote, someone, no, it wasn't, they didn't put a quote, but it's something this person said. I feel like I'm being crushed under the weight of lives I'm not living. Yes. And I feel like that's me. Yeah. Sometimes. And I what cre- does that mean to you? What, what well, does that quote mean to you? I want to do everything. I want to do everything and experience everything. Mm. It's like, like I said to you the other day, it's like, I feel you said, like this podcast is obviously about like creatives and the creative industries. I feel like a creative who has no talent. <laughs> you know, like, like a painter who's got no brush. Yeah. Well, like, so like, and then I find, and so I kind of like, sometimes I find like the cheats way round of doing creative things where I don't need to be talented. Okay. Yeah. So like, I started painting. Yeah. And my paintings are like, I'm not trained. And it's, it's not like anyone's going to go, fucking stick that in the tape, mate. But for me... I like, I, I like them. I think they're good. I, thank you. I think they look thank good. You. I, I, I think I've surprised myself and I think they're better than they probably... Yeah. Better I think than they I deserve def- to be with my <laughs> level of skill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, that was like, I want to do something creative. I want to paint. I want to do something like that. So yeah. I'll do it within my limitations. Yeah. And I just think I do that with so many things. It's just like... The first time I came to your flat, there was, you know, there's skateboards on the wall, there's guitars, Mm. there's thousands of of records. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, it's a tidy flat. It was just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, which I'm reminded by my wife all the time, (laughs) that there's a lot of stuff. She's like, why do you have a fighter pilot's helmet? This is our pension. (laughs) She's she's like, why do you have a fighter pilot's helmet? I'm like, it looks cool, though, doesn't it? And I was like... Because I want to be a fighter it's just pilot. There. It's the first step to becoming a fighter pilot. Honestly, but the thing is, it gets so ingrained into your DNA that you just end up like buying shit. Like I got drunk at my mate's 40th birthday party and I spent £400 on eBay <laughs> on a vintage Snoopy astronaut figurine in its original box. And I was like, and Vicky's like, do you know what you did last night? I was like, no. She goes, you bought a Snoopy on eBay for 400 quid. I was like, oh shit. Went on eBay to cancel a transaction. The bloke must've seen me coming. He was like, yeah, fucking right. He'd already packed it and shit. Yeah, By the time I woke up, yeah. I was like, oh, done. But I've got it. It's not come out of the box really. <laughs> it's not come out of the box. It's very cool. You sell that. And- it's very cool, but like, yeah, I didn't need it. Do you have that addictive personality of collecting stuff? Or is it just watches? <laughs> no, I mean, even, but the thing is that's fading off now as well. Is like, it? I mean, I still like them. They're still like my yeah. main passion is like watches and horror. I mean, you've got and things two like on now, have you? No, this is a whoop band. All right. <laughs> this tells me how badly I slept last night. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. And, I've um, got an Apple watch, mate. It does all that in one. Well, you're not wearing it today. <laughs> I so. am not wearing it today. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll put a proper watch on to impress him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got like, hands and everything. So that's like still my main passion. But I think also it's because you've got a baby kind of like you can't spend money on useless shit yeah. anymore. Yeah. But going back to what you're saying, it's like, I have a lot of hobbies because I, I'd want to do everything. I want to ride 100 mile road cycles. I want to snowboard every season. Yeah. I want to be a musician. I can't yeah. be. I'm just ter- fucking terrible at it. Well, so but, am I. I'm blagging my way through it, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're doing pretty bad, mate. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so it's like, even like starting up the podcast that I've got, it was like, yeah. let's do a podcast. Because I've got that. Now it's been running for a while, but it's just like, I buy books upon books upon books mm. because I think the book sounds interesting. I'm like, I, that is something that interests me. Yeah. And do you know how many books I've got that I haven't fucking read? Mm. 
it's literally probably taller than me, the pile of books well, I've got. I, I've got a lot of books I haven't read, but I've got them all on Kindle. So it doesn't yeah. take, I mean, I've got 500 Kindles. <laughs> but, yeah, just one on each. Yeah, just, just like, one on each thing. Fold it but, shut when you're done, snap it in half. <laughs> finished. <laughs> yeah, it's getting really expensive for some reason. <laughs> really expensive. But I, I just, I just want to do everything. And I don't, yeah. I, and I think it's probably because there is, it's a huge world out there and no disrespect to my parents at all. My mum will not travel. Okay. She doesn't like to fly. She's very happy. She doesn't drive. Yeah, that's fine. She's, she's like, wants to stay. But my mum also had a really rough childhood. Okay. So she likes to be secure and know where she stands yeah. and be in control of situations. And I think when she thinks she's flying, she's not in control because... Which yeah. is weird, she doesn't drive. Let's someone else do the driving, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then my dad, was well, because we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, he travelled when he was younger, like a bit around Europe and stuff. But he's always like, oh, I, want, I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. I'll never get the chance to do this. I'll never get the chance to do that. And I don't want to be that person that gets to like, because that's not great for your mental health either, to mm. sit there wishing you'd had a different life. Mm. Because then all you do is spend your time thinking that you've wasted the life that you had. And that's not a great way to be. No. So I try to live as much as I can within my means and my limitations that I yeah. have now. And whether that means, you know, I do a million things and each one I only do it for half an hour, at least I've tried it. At least you've tried it, yeah. yeah. The quote at the end of Derek with Kev, I think says, he feels like a failure because he, he didn't try. Yeah. That's why I started the podcast because I thought I had no idea how to start a podcast. Just start it and yeah, just do see it. what just happens. Just do it. It's literally my opinion on things is literally just, if you want to do it, just do it. Yeah. Do it the best way you can figure out how. Obviously, don't endanger yourself or other people whilst you're doing yeah. it. But just do it the best way you know how, and it will fall into place eventually. Yeah. There's a really good documentary, and I can't think of what it's called. But it's Jeffrey Binney, who's um, basically his mum died of a heart attack or something. And he was quite overweight himself. And he saw that, like, there's no way to live. And he, yeah. he became an ultramarathon runner. Wow. And the quote that he uses in that film, and I think it's Mae West said you only live once but if you do it right once is enough oh that's lovely yeah I and like i think that. that's the way to do it now is that you do as do as much as i can and i i do like to think that i live with no regrets i mean but everyone says that but it's not true you have mm. to have regrets yeah having regrets is what makes you human yeah do you know what i mean if you yeah. didn't have regrets you'd never learn and you'd be a piece of shit all your yeah. life <laughs> yeah like but i don't want to be at an age where things are beyond me yeah. going I wish I'd done this. And then I it's wish out I'd of your control. That. I can't yeah. go snowboarding because I'm 75. Uh, yeah. I wish, I mean, I've been saying a handful of times, but if I never go again, I mean, I'd love to go loads, yeah. but if I never go again, at least I did it. Yeah. You know, I've done skiing, like I've done some big hikes and stuff and been up a mountain and all this sort of stuff. Like, and it's, it sounds a bit daft. It's almost like I'm playing, you remember the I Spy books you used to get when you were a kid? And you get like, I spy nature. And you'd be like, I've spotted a pine cone, tick. Oh, I okay, yeah. I kind of like playing I spy book with my life. Just going like snowboarding, did it once, tick. Yeah. And just playing tick boxes in my life. Yeah. But I don't know, it works for me. But that's, yeah, that's the best way to, to do it. Because then you know what you enjoy and what where your passions lie. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. Like you say, you'd love to be a musician. I think if you really wanted to be a musician, your brain would have told you, no, fucking keep going. Like keep, yeah, yeah, keep for sure. going. For I mean, I did it for a while. Like I, was in a band for a bit mm -hmm. when I was younger and stuff. It wasn't a very serious band. We played like a couple of school yeah. shows and things like that. Called you right? too. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's a little band called the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just like, I don't know. It's just, it's, I do it with so many things. And then like, I've got guitars at home, but I couldn't tell you the last time I picked one up seriously. Okay. Just because 
There's too many other things I want to do. Yeah. And it's trying to fit it all into the day. And I think if I didn't do these things, if I stuck myself in one lane, I think my mental health would suffer then. Really? Yeah, I think so. Having the diversity is, is well, good I, I mean, I've come to that point in my career now as well, where I've done, I did roughly the same job or in the same area yeah. for like 15 years. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I hate this. I need yeah. to do something else. Yeah. And the problem is, I'm really good at it. Not to yeah. be arrogant. Yeah. I'm really good at it. It's the only yeah. thing I know how to do. So then trying to break yourself out of that lane and go, oh, well, what else can I do? People do find that hard when they're in a job and they go, oh, I want to leave, I want to do something else. And then the boss goes, well, I can give you an extra four grand a year. Well, that's the thing, because money like, talks in this world. Oh. Do you know what I mean? And before you know it, you've been there 25 years, yeah. you're retiring. That's the kind of thing when people say things like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'll start on Monday. No, start now. Because... If you say Monday, you're not that bothered about it. Yeah. If you're putting a point of time in the future to do something, you're not that bothered. Yeah. Because if you were bothered, you'd start now. It's like people go, oh, I'll start my diet on Monday. You never know anyone who said, I start my diet on Monday and then turn their life completely around. There are always <laughs> people who go, I start my diet on Monday and then they do it for about three months and then they go, oh, I'm back to where I yeah. started. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you need to talk, call the Samaritans. 116123. What I do want to ask you about is... Don't say it is Apple a watch brand because we'll have a fight. <laughs> Apple is a watch brand. Um, remember <laughs> that, joke right? There. <laughs> Let's put this out on the podcast, right? We were playing this game once called Five Second Rule and the crux of the game is you have to think of three things in five seconds. So it'll be name three animals at a zoo and you'll go lion, tiger, antelope, right? <laughs> Dan's really good at this game, <laughs> yeah, as you can yeah. tell. And my one came up. Bear in mind, David's really into watches and knows a lot about watches. And my one came up and it says, name three watch brands. And I said, uh, Rolex, Casio and Apple. And everyone was like, yeah, that's fine. And David was like, uh, no, um, no a- Apple's not, not a watch brand. <laughs> not having that. They make phones as well. It's not a watch brand. And you were like, that's like saying someone has a Ferrari hat and you say, oh, Ferrari are a uh, hat makers or like a... They do make terrible clothes, to be fair. Do they? Yeah. They're kind of like a shit clothing brand now that sells cars on the side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, I, I find I, that about I, Chicago you know I think I have to probably agree with you because I would say that Casio is a watch brand and they also make calculators. So... That's true. We put that to bed And now. keyboards. You're right. You get the point. <laughs> yes! I'm going to come on your... Christmas about four fucking years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. I was right. <laughs> I'm going to come on your podcast now and take it over. <laughs> I just get thrown in with the Please lines, do like, bring some of your listeners across because we have none. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me if and you, teammates shouting into the void for a fucking If hour. you are into, what's, what's your, do you want to promote your? It's the worst name though, the try. Do you know what? It's like, you know how Billy Joe Armstrong hates the name Green Day? <laughs> Does he? Yeah, he hates it. <laughs> like they came up with it. They were like, what's your name? He's like, ah, oh, Green Day. And now oh, they call no, it, he, he actually it. hates it. Like we came up with the name and, and like took the Instagram account for try watches when because there's three of us when yeah. we were pissed and now I'm like <laughs> and now I'm just like it's the worst name for a podcast but we're kind of stuck with it now we've done try 148 watches. episodes I like it. 148 episodes yeah. mate that's a lot of episodes how long are your episodes an hour do you edit them barely <clears throat> barely <laughs> I, I take out the background noise and I put the music you kindly gave us on the front yeah. and the back and then just kick it out into the world and go fucking wherever do you never listen to them back. I used to to begin with, and now I just like 
I'm not spending Thing is, more than 20 minutes. That's quite this. nice because you started it to keep in contact with yeah. the friends, didn't yeah, you? Because yeah. they're all over the world. Well, uh, So, yeah. So, we all lived in London and now one of them lives in California and one lives in Paris. Wow. So... It was yeah. a way of keeping you yeah. guys together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's why me and Elliot started playing PlayStation just so we... Because if you, and that's a bit the weird, story, and he's sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I need to play PlayStation for my social benefit. Yeah, yeah. But like, it'd be weird if I just phoned Elliot just for a chat. But like, yeah. on PlayStation, you have a chat with your mate, and you just. But it's great because, like, I mean, the podcast isn't out, but mm. we all sit there and we'll talk to each other about, you know, we're we're not like really macho guys who are just like, oh, fucking, mm. I can't talk to you about how I'm feeling. We frequently talk to each other about how we're feeling the things we're going through. And we oh, discuss great. our mental health with each other quite openly. Oh, great. That's really good. And um, more people should do that, obviously. That's, yeah. That's... yeah, for sure. And there, I mean, even outside of that, like frequently, like one of the guys calls me and says, like, I'm having a good time. I just need someone to talk to. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. More people, more people should 100% do that. Yeah. But that's good. The Try Watches podcast, if you're into watches, yeah. go over there and say that Apple's a watch brand. <laughs> or just give us a review nice. yes. <laughs> don't have to listen to it like, just like and subscribe to try watches patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson music so with your job mm. I know you say it doesn't matter what your job is but you moved to Norway for your job you did yeah what was that like um, it did make me very popular at home to begin with did it not well no because so obviously we're down here in Hampshire yeah I lived in North London uh, your sister, my now wife, moved from Hampshire to London to live with me. Yeah. Uh, four weeks later, I said, oh, I've accepted a job in Norway. <laughs> I leave in a month. <laughs> so she's like, oh, uh, great. I'm 100 miles from my friends and family, and now you're fucking off to another country. And then I was on 10 and 4, so I was doing 10 days away, 4 days at home. Wow. So that was, I mean, it wasn't, it was good. Like, yeah. It was a good, it was fun. Didn't really have the best living conditions over there to begin with. Oh, really? I was living on like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen an old TV series called Our Feed Design Pet. Mm, yeah, I know. So, you know, when we're living in like a hut. <laughs> yeah. It's basically how we were living. <laughs> right. Like on the back of a fabrication yard in a hut. Okay. Like loads of us. And, it, and then it wasn't until, um, oh God, when was the pandemic now? 2020. So 2020. I started renting a flat in the town there, in the city. Yeah. Because I was just fed up with living in a hut. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah. And Vicky came out to see me. And two days after she got there, Norway closed the borders and we were stuck there for a year. <laughs> but we didn't have a lockdown, which was nice. So we kind of got oh, okay. away with it quite well there. But honestly, it was fine for like my mental health. I mean, especially because like up until that point, I was always knew that the line of work I did could take me away mm. and make me go places for work. Yeah. Um, and I, I was actually, f first it was fine for mental health. Um, and then when we got together, me and Vicky, I said to her, look, like, you know, you have to be aware that my work sometimes send, will send me overseas mm -hmm. and sometimes you're away for like a month and yeah. you come back for a month, away from a month, back for a month. This is like, it's not happening right now, but there is a possibility in the future this could happen. And also that you go to some quite dangerous places. Um, she was fine with that. And then I did it. And I'd, I'd already worked away a few times previous to that. And before that, it never bothered me. And I think it's because, like I said, I was in a relationship that was 
pretty harrowing for me mm. trying to support someone going so it was kind of nice to get away from it yeah which sounds really horrible yeah but it but was nice to like detach from my reality at home for mm. a period of time go out focus on the job and then because you're there with other expats and stuff you know you make a little crew yeah and you're kind of very detached from your actual reality yeah um, it's like a family away from family but I guess. then being with vicky i was like i hate this oh really i was like i want to be home yeah i don't want to be this because my uncle did the same job as me as well yeah and he was always away and i saw like how he was kind of not around a lot yeah. for like kids growing up because he was always chasing the money and doing things like yeah. that and i was like you know what? i don't want to be that person mm. like i could do with less money and enjoy more time yes so when i was out there originally i came back and i was like i don't want to do this anymore and I was only out there for about seven months before I decided that and I came back. Hmm. And I started a job in Reading. And then that fell through after about seven weeks. And I was in a panic. There was no work anywhere for what I do, apart from Norway. So I just ran it back up and was like, oh, can I have my job back? And they're like, yes, please come back. And then I got the job back, which was great. Yeah. And then we ended up being there for a year. And that was quite honestly, being out there, that was and because obviously she'd only been living with me for a month before I buggered yeah. off. And then so we spent that whole time living together. And the fact that we lived through the pandemic in this little bubble together in this mm. small one bedroom apartment in Norway. Yeah. And like, and it's really weird because you're in a place where you don't, I mean, they all speak perfect English, yeah. but none of the signs are anything in English. You know what I mean? So you are very aware all the time that you're not where you normally are. Yeah. So you're trying to like navigate this new world together whilst also learning how to live together and stuff. Yeah. I think we did really well. And that was really good. But um, well, he ends up getting married, so it must. We have. end up getting married, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to go back to doing that, being away all the time, I couldn't do it. No, I really wouldn't like it. Do you think you're getting to that age now where you're just like, oh, I just, I just want more quality time? I think so. I mean, like, well, my 35 this year. It's not massively old. Yeah. But when I was younger, doing that job, people were like, "Oh, do you want to go to Nigeria?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." There's like places like Port Harcourt in Nigeria, and it's fucking lawless. Wow. From what I heard, like you go armored escort everywhere and things like that. And when you're 20, you're like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to get a bloke with a machine gun driving me places. <laughs> so I was like up for it, like wherever people wanted to send me, I'd go. So I was in like Tunisia at one point, um, which was wild. They got chased down the street in oh, France, really? like back to a hotel by a gang of people and stuff. Like it was a weird place. We're in, like this industrial town. Oh, and, wow. Um, I'll tell you this really quick story. It was quite funny. It's nothing to do with mental health. It's just a funny story. <laughs> so we got dropped off at by our driver, who they, by the way, go, um, oh yeah, we'll put you in discreet cars because this was around the time when the bomb went off in, Chin in Tunis. Oh, okay, yeah. And all those people got shot on the beach in Sioux. So it was yeah. a pretty hectic place to be Tunis at the time. It was a very bit worrying. And uh, obviously we were like high value targets because we were working. So like, oh yeah, we'll put you in like very discreet cars. And we're like, okay, cool. Brand new white Audis, <laughs> right? <laughs> With blue number plates on because they're higher cars. So you literally, you stand out from everyone yeah. else. Because in fact, there's like six people to one moped with like no fairing <laughs> yeah. on it. And then you're in these like big Audis rolling around. Yeah. Oh yeah, really discreet lads. So we pull up, the guy just throws our bags out, kicks us out and drives off. We turn around, all the gates, all the security gates are locked open. And there's bed sheets hanging off all of the fences with red spray painted Arabic writing on. And there's no one to be seen. And we're like, what the fuck? Whoa. Like, what is going on? This is obviously like a prime bit of real estate for anything to happen. Yeah. Like, we don't know. And he's got, he's like in the distance now, this driver. He's fucking gone. <laughs> and we're just like, 
right, okay, this is really bizarre. So we're like looking around, we're like, what do we do? So how old were you at this point? Uh, how old was I? That would have been 2015. So I was 26, 27. Wow, okay. So the driver's off. And driver's <laughs> off. Uh, we just stood basically in the middle of the desert, yeah. like with nothing. And we're like, what the fuck? So we rang the emergency number that we, you get given. And we were like, we don't know what's going on. There's signs everywhere, like these homemade signs. We don't know what it says. And they, there is no one here. The security guards are gone. Like, we don't know what's happened. And they're like, all right, we'll stay put. We're like, well, fucking obviously. <laughs> so what are we doing? Like, we'll get, we're, we're, we're looking into the situation. And as I put the phone down, I see this lot, this truck coming down the long road, like towards us. And we're like, what the fuck is this? And then we see loads of people are hanging out the side of it. And we're yeah. like, oh, this can't be good. And this truck pulls up and it's a big camouflaged wagon. And all these guys jump out the back with machine guns and stuff. Turns out it's the Tunisian army turned up to secure the perimeter. Oh, so we're like, what the fuck is going on? And we're like, what do these signs say? And the guy looks at me, he's like, oh, um, the security guards are on strike because they're not getting a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Made all these like banners up saying, what do we want? Free lunches. When do we want it now? And locked all the gates open and buggered off home. If you need to talk, call the Samaritans. 116-123. Yeah, I normally ask guests questions at the end. Yeah, you can ask him. But I didn't really know. So I just ask you the same question. Yeah, do it. Right. So before you go. Yeah. Well, before I give you a lift home. Cheers. <laughs> Let me just ask you, yeah, these ones. Uh, what artist did you instantly connect with after first hearing? Oh, um, do you know what? I don't really listen to them anymore. But when I was younger, I got really heavily into the Alkaline Trio. And I yeah. heard it for the first time. I was like, that. I love that. It was really good. Wow. And I've got loads of friends through like the band. So it was a big part of my life. Yeah. But yeah, I instantly connected to that. I thought they were the tits. When, when um, I first introduced you to Elliot, I think that's what we talked my about. House. That's what we yeah. talked about. I remember walking like through the middle room in my house and you were talking about Alkaline Trio and then like an hour later I'd walk back through and you're still talking <laughs> about Alkaline Trio. I was like, all right, well, they're friends now. So that's fine. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, God, don't try to put a brave face on things. Mm, that's good. Just, yeah, just be authentic with how you're feeling. Yeah. Because I think I spent a lot of time not doing that and just, you know, keeping the smile on yeah, to make everyone else the... around me feel a lot better. And that's to help other people. Yeah, but I wasn't helping myself. Yeah. And it took a long time to come out, but when it did, it came out in a really bad way. That's a good answer. That's a really good answer. Um, what's, oh, I'll get rid of the word song, but. I do like music, it's fine. Well, what song are you most proud proud to be a part of? Oh, oh Comfortably Numb was quite a big one for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's the one thing you're most proud of? Um, Probably becoming a dad. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really take a lot of pride in things that I... Well, not I don't take... I do take pride whilst I'm doing them. Yeah. But I never look back at things that I've done and gone, fucking good job there, mate. Oh, really? Yeah, I just see it as like, I did a thing. Did a thing, on to the next thing. Yeah, I never really look back and like praise myself about things. Yeah. Guess you can't really do that with a kid. Yeah, I've done that now, so I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Just ignore you from now on. Yeah, yeah. You hear what Good you luck, want. Mickey. Yeah. What do you mean you want food? <laughs> yeah, we want free food. We want free <laughs> Yeah, what are you? A Tunisian security guard? Uh yeah, and one more. Um, what have you got coming up? What's going on with the podcast and uh, I guess The podcast now is like 
when we have time. It used to be Is every it? week. At the moment, it's kind of like angling around every two weeks. Yeah. But we're all so busy now. And I've just got so much on. I, I, I do two jobs at the moment. And I've got a baby on the way. And the Samaritans. And a degree. And I've got Samaritans on. Do you know what I mean? I have to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, mate. Thank you so much for coming in the chat. It's been really That's good. Right. And I'll... um. I'll do some adverts throughout the pod for Samaritans and stuff. And um, yeah, yeah no, it's, it, anyone who does feel like they need someone to talk to, like I said, no matter what it is, should definitely don't hesitate to call because you'll never, you'll never get someone go, what are you calling me for, mate? And yeah. Put the phone down. You'll always be met with empathy and kindness and 24 seven, no matter what, every day of the year. Christmas Day. Wow. Whatever. I guess Christmas Always. Day is a big one, though. Yeah. some people are on their own. Yeah, yeah. Father's Day, Mother's Day, yeah. all those days are big days. But then, again, every day is a big day because there's so much going on in the world. Yeah. And I, I know you, we will wrap this up, but we all know that someone out there is having a shit time. Yeah. And someone's got a bad life. I never thought about it in the granular detail until I started doing it. Uh-huh. And then it was like, I could never imagine that someone was going through that right now. Oh, wow. And then you think, but I'm fucking glad I'm here for them to talk to when they are. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Great. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, appreciate this is, this, time. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is the awkward bit where we say bye and then I'll just stop. It's like when you see someone in Tesco's in one aisle and you go, oh, mate, I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> yeah. Have a chat for two minutes. Go, oh, I see you later. Good to see you. And you come in the next aisle and face to face. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up seeing them for like 20 minutes as you walk around the supermarket. <laughs> It gets really awkward. All right. Oh, cool. I see you like the beans with sausages. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So small talk gets smaller and smaller. <laughs> oh, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Bye. I'm not doing that. was David Gathard on the Stage Fright Podcast. Oh, that was weird. That was David Gathard on the Stage Fright Podcast. Go follow what David is doing with his Try Watches podcast at Instagram.com forward slash Try Watches. T-R-I watches. You'll find the link in the description of this episode to all the social media, as well as the link to the video, The Unwelcome Party Guest, which David mentioned in the show. And if you need it, the lovely people at the Samaritans are always there to listen. Do call 116-123 if you need to talk. If you would like to help out the show, please sign up to the Patreon where, for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early, ad-free, higher quality access of the podcast, as well as some extra bonus bits and conversations. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. Email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod, allrightstagefright at gmail.com. And find us on Instagram and Twitter, Twitter at allrightimdan, Instagram, the Stage Fright Podcast, at the Stage Fright Podcast. <laughs> Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.